This is the last time I ever follow a scientist. I mean it. <laughs> well, you're sitting out there this morning listening to a speaker who not only looks like your mother, but for the first 11 years of her married life had the distinction of being the only one in the house who could change the toilet tissue spindle. You're looking at a woman who married right out of college because her mother panicked. <laughs> Despite the fact that she was too short for pregnancy, she gave birth to three children. And at the age of 37 years of age, finally realized that visiting her meat in the food locker was a little less than a religious experience. So at that stage, I turned to writing a newspaper column. Your speaker at this moment subsequently produced uh, six books. And one of them, The Grass is Always Greener Over the Septic Tank, was made into a movie starring Carol Burnett. The critic for Time magazine said the only thing good about it was that Irma Bombeck did not star in it. In 1974, she produced a comedy album for Warner Brothers called The Family That Plays Together Gets on Each Other's Nerves. <laughs> that album sold two copies at a J.C. Penney store in Beirut. <laughs> two years ago, uh, she produced a, a situation comedy for ABC called Maggie, and in the ratings it was listed just below Marlon Perkins viewing the dental records of a white rhino. <laughs> That's it, folks. Um, I, di I just, I feel like Bob Massey. I didn't want all of you to go home thinking that none of us had ever failed because that's probably the one thing that this big, long procession here has in common going for us today, whether it be physicists or, or sports figures or whatever. We've all failed, and we failed real big. <laughs> I think it was the Pope who once said, or maybe it was Woody Allen. <laughs> Probably Woody. Anyway, he said, if, if, if you're not failing, then you're not trying anything new. And I think the important thing is that we may have failed at something, but I don't think that any of us considered ourselves failure. We just picked it up and did it all over again. There's, um, there isn't a lot that's really very unique about me. I pad my bio all the time because it is miserable. Uh, my dad had a fourth grade education and he married my mother when she was 14 years old. I came along when she was 16. I was the first one in my entire total family, and there were about 26 grandchildren, the first one in the family to ever finish high school, let alone go to college, and I took that as a sign from God. I remember my, my counselor in college said, uh, Irma, what do you want to do with your life? I mean, what is it? You want to, you want to, you want to get married? Uh, you want to have children? What? You want to be a writer? You want to write a syndicated column? Maybe you want to be a best-selling author? 
maybe you want to appear on television shows. And I said, yes, that's what I want to do. And he said, which one? I said, all of them. <laughs> well, after 11 years of putting a pair of socks in the washing machine and only getting one back, <laughs> I looked in the mirror um, one morning and I realized something about myself, something really pretty important. I was ordinary. Just think about it. What a shock that was to me. I mean, I was Ohio, Midwest, beige, Barry Manilow in pantyhose, ordinary. <laughs> and that was not what I had in mind for me. I wanted success. I, I, I wanted I want to be one of those people who appeared on the Carson show in blue jeans and left early. <laughs> I, I wanted to be able to, um, to leave home without my American Express card. <laughs> I wanted an alligator to wear a shirt with my face on his pocket. That's what I wanted. <laughs> and then I, I began to think about something. I thought, you know, um, maybe, maybe being ordinary was an asset. Was it possible? If I could translate my imperfect kids and my predictable husband and my run-of-the-mill life onto paper, would there be anyone else out there who could possibly identify with it? And I probably stumbled into my little part-time job as I know it today. It's something called honesty. Because with, with, with no... I don't think there's any other profession that you are asked to give so much of yourself. Every writer gives away a part of their very personal life. I don't care if it's a straight news story. You give away something, some clue to what you're all about, I think, with every sentence that you write. Um, you probably think that there's a great trick to, um, to, to writing. There, there really aren't, aren't, aren't too many tricks. You probably think there's a lot of things that, that you went to school for that, that you will have absolutely no use whatsoever for. I mean, why am I wasting my time doing this? A lot of dumb things, things like uh, diagramming a sentence. And when you think about it, you know, I mean, I thought the same thing. How, how many times am I going to walk down the street and someone will say, you know, you suppose we could go diagram a sentence somewhere? <laughs> It never happened. I remember taking four years of Spanish. I have never used the term yet, what time is the bullfight? Never in my life. <laughs> and you get to thinking about that. You think, who cares? When am I going to use all this stuff? Well, I'll tell you where you're going to use it. I write for 900 newspapers. I write for books. And I write for television. And I have used every single scrap of every experience I've ever had in my entire life, and I have drawn from every individual I have ever met in my lifetime. At, at, at some time, I've drawn from a character I have known. Only two pieces of advice on, on writing, and this is lethal, you should never do this. Um, first, I want to tell you there's no such thing as writer's block. Really. It's like North Dakota. It doesn't exist.
I know, somebody out here is probably saying I'm from North Dakota. You're lying. You're not. <laughs> and I never saw anything that got into the line of print without first putting it down on paper. And what I'm trying to say in a very nice way is that stop talking about it and sit down and do it. Or it's never going to happen. I love these people who come to your parties and I said, oh, I have this, this book in my head. It's been rattling around here for 10 years. It is just wonderful. You're never going to read it. My remarks are very brief. You have to know that I do love what I do. At the age of 56, I've done things I never thought were possible from singing two weeks ago on the stage of the Grand Old Opry with Minnie Pearl to um, speaking at the White House. And for six years, I've worked for the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment, and I'm not finished yet. I have just uh, finished a new book that's coming out this fall. It's called Motherhood, the Second Oldest Profession. I was going to do one on the first oldest profession, but who wants to sit around reading a book on agriculture? <laughs> I suspect that most of you will not return to Earth uh, after this weekend until possibly a year from next May or June, I don't know. And then the reality of what you've seen and what you've gone through and what you've experienced will probably set in. And you'll try to remember what success is and how it smelled, how it sounded, and, you'll, and you're, you're going to be very, very confused about it. You'll say, oh, what was it? Was it the look of, of ultra suede? Uh, did it smell like expensive perfume? Or was it someone who had the cool to wear a rumpled suit or, or to have his own jet parked outside? Uh, my definition of success is probably a, a little different than most people. To, to me, it's, it's knowing, just knowing when you're thin enough, knowing when you're rich enough, knowing when you're happy enough, and knowing when you're fulfilled enough, and just to sit back and enjoy it. And I see an awful lot of people who get there to success, and you know what the sad part is? The sad part is they don't, they don't know they're there. And that's what I find is, is so sad. Um, I hope all of you find your dreams, but I, I don't want you to be surprised if success takes another form. I, th I think what you're seeing with this parade of, of people here are people who, uh, who are on some kind of level that, that you aspire to. And that's not necessarily success either. I'm not talking about United States senators. I'm not talking about Olympic runners or Nobel Prize winners. I'm talking about the humanity that is here in this room. And don't you ever underrate it. Just think about this. Some of you out there are going to be heroes or heroines to somebody. Many of you, let's scratch the, the men on this, but many of you will give birth to something, and that's pretty terrific. Some of you will conquer an illness or a handicap in your lifetime, and that's no small thing. And some of you, if you're not already, are going to be the best friend that another person ever had. And that's pretty special. And I think most of you, by, your, by just your being here, 
are going to affect changes in the world just by your being and take it that's good enough um, I also wanted to tell you one last thing please don't be afraid of ordinary because it's never lonely there thank you Thank you.